welcome to Grace Family Church. We are so glad you decided to check out our podcast. Our prayer is that this teaching from Pastor Tommy will encourage your faith and lead you towards the greatness God has planned for you. Thanks again for listening. We hope you enjoy this message. John chapter 4 verse 7 and 8 is our foundational text and so uh, we'll read this and then just believe God with me that he will help me say exactly what it is you need to hear this morning. Amen. First John chapter 4 verse 7 and 8 says, Beloved, let us love one another for love is of God and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God for God is love. Let's pray before we get started. Father, Thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for this wonderful group of people and the presence of your spirit in in our midst because we've gathered in your name. And I just thank you that as we approach your word, your Holy Spirit will rest upon me and help me minister life to your people. Speak through me to your people and write upon their hearts. I pray, Father, that as we move through this message that by the time we get to the end of it, there will be another revelation, another nugget that we've received in our hearts about how much you love us and how that can impact us to love others. I give you praise and thanks for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, as I said, you know, this, uh, this, this series is about the fact that, you know, God has given us his gift of love. But as we look at this opening text, we see that we've been encouraged to love one another. But it goes on to say that the only way we can consistently love one another is if we know God. Uh, now, and you know, so some may ask the question, does that mean if I, I have bitterness in my heart towards somebody or I, uh, you know, I, I, I struggle with an unforgiveness in an area that I don't know God? Because the scripture says if you don't love, you don't know God. Uh, but what that word know means is that, is, and it's, we said it every week, is, is, is experiences God. You know, if you, if you, and so when, when I got to tell you, when I've been, like we just come out of a worship service with just moment we came out of. You know, and you sense that purity. It's just so easy to forgive. It's so easy to love. When, when God's presence is manifest and we know it and we experience it on a regular basis, that's when we love. And he says, if you don't have that experience regularly in your life, then you're going to have trouble loving people. Uh, and so, you know, what we've said then is this, is, is if, if it requires us knowing God to be able to walk in love, then we better get to know who he is, right? So we're going, and, and we've said this, that the, the level or the measure to which we'll love others is the measure to which we know God. So we've been going to, uh, to Scripture trying to really look and, 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 and delve into the topic, which is a massive topic, and, and it's really this, you know, who is God, right? But we're really defining it in the light of a certain portion of Scripture that the Lord has led me to in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8. And I'll read that, and then we'll, we'll move forward. It says, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. So in our opening text in 1 John, it tells us that God is love. And then in 1 Corinthians 13 here, it tells us love is this. So we've, we've said throughout this series that there is really no disservice to the scripture if we took the word love in 1 Corinthians 13 and replaced it with God in this context. Because God is love and this is love, so God is this. And so I want to read it again and I just want you to see it on the screen and I want you to let it sink in because often we read those verses as if that is something we need to do. And it absolutely, we should practice the character traits of love. 
But that picture that we see of love is probably one of the most inclusive pictures we get of who our God is that we serve. And what it says here is if we look at it in that context, it says God is patient. God is kind. God does not envy. God does not boast. God is not proud. God does not dishonor others. God is not self-seeking. God is not easily angered. God keeps no record of wrongs. God does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. God always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. God never fails. And so that is a picture of who God is. And so we've been looking at the different uh, you know, descriptions here we see in 1 Corinthians 13. We, we pointed out that God is patient. You know, we serve a God that is patient with the lost world, a world that has not accepted him. He is long-suffering. He's not mad at the world. He's not angry at lost people. He's not angry at sinners that do what sinners do. He loves them, and he's coming after them. God commended his love toward us and that while we were sinners, he did the same for us. Aren't you glad he did? So God is patient with a lost world. But not only that, we've even pointed out that now that we've become believers and we're born again because of the blood of Jesus, he's removed the need to be patient with us. Why? Because he's made us the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And when God looks at us, he doesn't see you as a work in progress. He sees you as his very righteousness. He sees you as a born-again creation, right? And so certainly that's not an excuse for us to not work on being holy and living right and, 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 and displaying the character and nature of Christ. We absolutely need to do that. But how many of you realize sometimes in your flesh you may fall short of that on occasion? And when you do, I want you to know that you aren't all of a sudden on God's naughty list. He still sees you because of the blood of Jesus as right in his sight. Amen? And so we also said that God is not only patient, God is kind. We've also said God does not envy. We pointed out that he's not angry with your success. He doesn't view it as a competition. He's not one that gets envious when you get successful as if you're going to forget him. He doesn't do that. He is rooting for your success, but he jealously does want your affections. And that's the kind of God we serve. Today, though, I want to talk to you about the next phrase that says God is not boastful, and God is not proud. Notice again, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4, love or God is patient. Love or God is kind. Love or God does not envy, and notice this last phrase, love or God does not boast, and God is not proud, right? So God is not boastful, and God is not proud. So, you know, as we think about this, and as we, as we study this this morning, I think it's important for us to remember that as we talk about a God that's not boastful and we talk about a God that's not proud, these are descriptions of what love is, right? So when we say love is not boastful, love is not proud, so these are descriptions of what love is. And so as we think about a God that's not boastful and not proud, we have to look at it in the context of this is a God of love and because he loves, this is why he's not that way. And I think as we study it that way, it'll help us understand more readily who he is. And so let's take a look at what it means. First of all, what does the word boast mean? That word boast is actually translated in the King James Version. It says, love vaunteth not itself, which is a very, you know, old King James way to say it. But what it means is this, love does not boast. It means, uh, the word boast or vaunting itself means to employ rhetorical embellishments. That's a real flowery way to say it exaggerates, right? 
It employs rhetorical embellishments in extolling oneself. It exaggerates oneself beyond the reality of who they are to make oneself look better. And so it says love doesn't exaggerate who they are. It doesn't exaggerate things to make themselves look better. And then the other word, love is not proud. In, in the King James, it says it's not puffed up, right? Uh, and puffed up means to inflate or to blow up or to cause to swell up. And it has the same sort of connotation to exaggerate a promise this time above, above one's level or ability to deliver it. And so in the context of God loving us, what it's telling us is that God will never exaggerate to you who he is, and he will never exaggerate to you what he says he will do. It is not an exaggeration. Uh, the Bible is not a fairy tale. The promises that he gives us are 100% truthful, unadulterated, and unexaggerated, all because of his great love for you. How does that express love? Think about it for a minute. Have you ever had somebody make a commitment to you and then let you down in that commitment? Doesn't that hurt? You ever had someone uh, 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 betray your trust, mislead you, or withhold truth from you? That's hurtful, sometimes even more hurtful than if they had never done it in the first place, right? And what the scripture says is God loves us so much that he would never shine us on and build us up to let us down. And that's what we're talking about when it says it doesn't puffed up. So what that tells me is this then, number one, he will never embellish the truth just to make you feel better. He'll never tell you something just to make you feel better if it's not true. And so, first of all, what that tells me is that he will correct you when you need to hear truth, even if it hurts, for your own good. Because he is a God that doesn't boast and isn't proud. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 6 and 7 and 10 says this, For whom the Lord loves, he chastens. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as sons. God corrects us through our lives for our own good, giving us an invitation to share in his holiness. So notice, God loves us enough to tell us the truth when we need to hear it. You know, there are some people that don't want to speak the truth to somebody when they're... And you know, I've always said this, I always remember this up front, because I don't want to give anybody a license to go run and tell everybody that they're wrong, right? The worst advice that can be given is vice that isn't asked for. I'm going to say that one again because that's from the King Thomas. It's a King Thomas proverb that I carry with me all the time. And it's simply this. The worst advice you can give is advice that is not asked for. Reason is, is because hearts aren't prepared to receive it. Sometimes people don't want to hear it. And the Jesus said this. If you cast your pearls or wisdom before swine, they'll trample you down. They'll run you over, right? So, so in human relationship... When it comes to expressing truth, we have to be very careful about making sure we have the right uh, audience and the right timing to be able to share truth with somebody when they need to hear it. But, you know, God, what it says here, though, is this, is that God will come to us at all times because he loves us and he will express truth to us even if it means he needs to correct us. And when he says what he says, how many realize it's the truth? See, sometimes we're stuck in things, doing things, trying to excuse things, trying to make excuses for why we do things, and God just says, don't do it. It ain't right, right? There ain't ever a right reason to do a wrong thing. How many of you realize that? Maybe somebody need to hear that this morning. 
Never a right reason to do a wrong thing. And so God will always come to us because he loves us and he will tell us the truth. And you know, as I think about this, I'm reminded of the woman caught in adultery. How many of you remember the story of Jesus? He was teaching and all of a sudden, you know, the, the Pharisees and Sadducees, you know why they called them Sadducees, right? They didn't believe in the resurrection, so they were sad, you see. That's a dad joke for you. But the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they came to Jesus and they said to Jesus, hey, look, we, you know, think about this for a minute. They were all peeping toms, right? Because they're peeking through the window and we caught her in the very act of adultery, right? So they caught her, right? And so they brought her out to Jesus and they said, Jesus, this woman deserves to be stoned according to the law, right? So what did Jesus do? The Jesus said, let him who has not sinned cast the first stone. Jesus didn't condemn her. Jesus didn't, wasn't angry with her. He didn't look at her like she was some rotten, worthless thing. No, he said, I love her and I'm going to forgive her, right? So first of all, understand this. When God corrects us, it's always done in a mindset of love. But... He still spoke truth to this lady after everybody left. He didn't, he didn't condone her, he didn't, he didn't condemn her for her sin, but he didn't condone it either. Because how many of you remember what he said to her as she got up after all of her accusers were gone and she looked into the loving eyes of Jesus? He said, I don't condemn you either, but go and sin no more. He told her the hard truth that what she did was sin, right? So what we need to understand about God is, is in a culture where we talk about acceptance and we talk about just loving everybody and accepting everybody, God will love and forgive everybody. He's not angry with anybody, but he's not going to mealy mouth the truth just to make people feel good. That would be boastful. That would be shading the truth. That would be candy coating something, right? So as a, as a believers and as a church, we're called to stand if we're going to exemplify the nature of God. We're called to love people, forgive people, accept all comers. But at the same time, we're to tell the cold, hard truth at times. Why? Because we love people. Because when God tells us truth, it's always for our own good. When he tells us you shouldn't be doing this, it's not because he wants to restrict us. It's because he wants to protect us and protect others from being hurt. And so what we find out is, is that God loves us enough, and he's not boastful. He's not, he's not going to candy coat the truth. He's going to come to us with truth. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16 says this. It says, the whole Bible was given by the inspiration from God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It straightens us out and helps us do what is right in the Today's Living Bible. So what that tells us is the way that God comes to us and corrects us is through his word. He comes and brings corrective words to us. His words are powerful. Jesus said, my words are truth. See, a lot of people think the way God corrects them is by bringing bad things and hard things and difficult things into their life. That's not God. Bad things and hard things are the product of just two things. You need to always remember this. They're the product of a bad devil that doesn't like you, and they're the product of bad choices that you may have made. Simple, just those two things. Those two things cause problems. But God loves us enough to tell us the truth even in the midst of our problems to say, I love you, but this needs to change if you want things to get better, right? And so that's the kind of God we serve. And so God, first of all, when we talk about a non-boastful God, he's not going to candy coat the truth when we need to hear it. But here's the other flip side of the coin. This also tells us this, that when he doesn't exaggerate, when God tells us good things about him, ourselves, they are not exaggerated. When God tells us good things, unbelievable things, I, I got to tell you, there are things in Scripture when I look at them, 
Let me just give you one. How many of you this week have lived to be perfect? Raise your hand. Who, who hasn't? Raise your hand if you're honest in here. Who hadn't been perfect this week? All right. But he says you are holy and you are perfect in his sight. How many of you realize in the light of who, what you did this week, that's sometimes unbelievable. But what we need to understand about God is when he comes to us saying those things, because he loves us, because he loves us, I'm going to get to this in a minute, this is a good part, but because he loves us, he cannot lie to us, he cannot exaggerate the truth. When he says you're holy, when he says you're right, it is the truth, unexaggerated, unadulterated. And so we need to understand that about God. See, oftentimes what winds up happening is we wind up focusing so much on what we got to fix. What do I mean what we got to fix? The things that we need to do to be more like Jesus. Because we all are on that path and all on that journey. We focus on that piece of it. And between us and between the condemnation of a devil that likes to accuse us day and night before God, we do a pretty good job of beating ourselves down. But what the Bible says is, is that God is a God that will tell us the truth about who we are. And what I've found is, is that very often in the midst of my anxiety, in the midst of my despair about my old wretched man that I am, as Paul declared, I hear God coming to me saying, I've got some comforting words for you this morning, son, or this afternoon, son. See, we need to focus not only on the corrective things to get better and be more like Christ, but i got to tell you, we need to hone in on what he says about us and who we are because when we understand who we are and who he tells us who we are, we'll be that. See, just listen to some of the unexaggerated things that God says about you if you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. He says, number one, I'm just going to read to you just 13 of them. God's lucky number, right? There ain't no unlucky numbers. He says, number one, you are saved. He says, you are my new creation and your past has no control over your future. He says that to you. That is unexaggerated. That is unadulterated. He says, you are 100% right with me because of the blood of my son. He says you're free from the weight of guilt because I don't view you as guilty. He says you're the apple of my eye. Close your eyes for a minute. Listen, God's saying this to you this morning. You are the apple of my eye. He says you are valuable to me. You're not some dilapidated, broke down old tire I'm trying to fix up. You're valuable to me. He says, you're no dummy, you're wise, you have the mind of Christ. He says, you're not cursed, your life isn't one problem to the next. He says, I will bless you so much that you can't contain it. He says, you're not an unimportant person in any room that you walk in because you are heavenly royalty. You're a king. He says, you can do all things through my son that strengthens you. He says, you're victorious and you're a conquering champion. And he says, you're a winner. Now open your eyes to me. When God says those things to you, they are not exaggerated. They are not embellished. They are not him shining you on as if you're something other than that. 
I think far too often we hear those words and we think, oh, I wish I could be that. But this is who he says you are. He loves you too much to lie to you. He loves you too much to come tenderly to you and say, I love you so much because you're valuable. But then he doesn't really believe it. See, what I want to stress to you this morning is, is that we serve a loving God and he loves us so much that he cannot lie to us. He cannot exaggerate truth. He cannot embellish it to make it look better than it is. And so we say that God is not boastful or puffed up. It means he loves us too much, number one, not to tell us the hard truth when we need correction, and it's good for us. But he also loves you so much that he'll tell you uplifting, unexaggerated truth about yourself and about how awesome you are. Listen, God says you're awesome this morning. That's good news. Missing a good chance to shout. Amen. Look at your spouse and say, did you realize how awesome I am or the person sitting next to you? Do you realize how awesome you are? God wants you to realize that. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 4, where we say God is not boastful and God is not proud, it's also not just him telling us the truth about ourselves, but here's another piece that I really want to get to this morning. We'll close the service with this here in a moment. But he will not brag and exaggerate to you about himself. He will not puff himself up to be something more than he is. He is not a snake oil salesman. He is a straight shooter. And when he says what he says about himself, it's the truth. You ever heard the phrase, it ain't bragging if it's the truth? God doesn't brag when he says grand things about himself. Right? He doesn't brag when he says grand things about what he's going to do to us, for us. Everything he says about himself and what he'll do for us is 100% true and can be relied upon. Notice what he said to Abraham in Genesis chapter 17 and verse 1. It says, when Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. That word Almighty means the most powerful and more than enough. So what God, what God says, when he says that, you need to understand something. He wasn't showing up to Abraham saying, look at me, Abraham, I'm Almighty God. A lot of people think that's what happened. When you watch the Ten Commandments and Cecil B. DeMille, he shows up at the top of the cloud, I'm holy, you know, like he's, like he's bragging about who he is. No, the loving heart of a God said to a person that he loved, you need to understand something about me, Abraham. I am the almighty God that's talking to you. I am more than enough for you. See, when he says he's almighty, it is not a braggadocious statement. It is 100% true. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20 says, Now to him, speaking of God, who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. That last phrase is a whole series in and of itself that I'm not going to get to this morning. But basically in a nutshell what that says is this, is if you can just believe it, the previous stuff will happen. See, and what he says here, he says, God is able to do far more abundantly than we can ask or think. 
Now, I don't know about you, but I can think pretty big. How many of y'all can think pretty big about some things? Right? Now, I would tell you this. Some of us are a little more apprehensive to ask for those things because we've been conditioned in our mind to think that it's not godly to ask for those big things. <laughs> Whole nother message. But the point I want to bring out this morning is Paul reinforces what God said to Abraham. And what he said to Abraham was, I am a God that's more than enough. I'm a God that's all powerful. And God said through uh, Paul to the church in Ephesus, God is a God that can do more than we can ask or think. That is not an exaggerated statement. What is your biggest mountain? What is your biggest problem? What is your child facing that you think is massive? God is bigger and greater than that problem. And it's not an exaggerated statement. It is 100 unequivocally unadulterated truth that he is more powerful than that. What he's saying is there is nothing I can't do. I want to challenge your belief this morning. I want to raise you to the level of believing for small things to believing for miracles this morning because miracles are things that are out of the norm and God says out of the norm things are not beyond me. I am all powerful. I am almighty God. There is none above me is what he says in his word. And because of that we know there's nothing too difficult for him. Nothing. I don't care what you're facing. I don't care how big the problem is. I don't care how far gone it looks. It is not too difficult for him. Jeremiah 32 and verse 7 says, Ah, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and thy stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. That is not an embellishment. It is simply the truth. <laughs> Once again, it ain't bragging if it's the truth right? There's nothing too hard for him. Now, here's what I want to bring this to a close with is this. Everybody would probably, that, that has any type of honor for God would tell you he's all-powerful. You got secular, you know, songs, you know, he got the whole world in it, right? Everybody believes God is all-powerful. But when God says he's all-powerful, as I said, he doesn't say that from a mindset of you need to understand who I am. Like he's some WWE wrestler proclaiming how mighty he is. Right? He's saying it to you because he, it's coming from a heart of love. See, if God is all-powerful, and he is, that's great. But if he doesn't love you, then how can you know that power is available to you? Right? But in the light of God not being boastful and God not being proud, it is set in the context of being God, of being a loving God. So what he's saying is, I am all powerful, I am almighty, so you can know something about that power. So you can know that that power is available to you because he loves you. See, Jeremiah chapter 33 and verse 3 tells us what his desire is when we understand how powerful he is. He says, call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things that thou knowest not. Call to me and I will answer you and I will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. He says, if you will rely on my power, I will bring it to bear for you. 
Now, once again, I want you to understand something. Because he loves you, he cannot say that and not do it. Matter of fact, because he loves you, he couldn't say that if he wouldn't do it. His love would not allow him to do that. He's made that power available to us so that if we can simply believe what he says to us about our lives, it will come to pass in our lives. See, 2 Peter, I read this verse of scripture very often. I'm reading it from the God's Word in NLV this time. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 4, it says, Through his shining greatness, glory and integrity. He has given us promises that are, that are of the highest value, of the highest value. He's given us promises that are of the highest value. These promises are of great worth and no amount of money can buy them. So God has made these wonderful promises that money itself cannot buy, yet these promises are 100% truly ours. Unexaggeratedly ours. When God says, you're the heel of the Lord, he's not just talking about your headaches and your sniffles. He's talking about everything in your life. Because it's 100% true and it's not exaggerated. He loves you so much to tell you the great things he'll do for you, number one. He encourages you that he's powerful enough to pull it off. And then he reminds you that he loves you too much to not be faithful to that promise. He loves you enough to not allow his promise to, to be undelivered upon in your life. Think about it for a minute. The reason that God does what he does and says what he says and the reason God is not boastful, I want you to understand this. The motivating factor behind it is not because he's a stoic person of integrity. Because, you know, there are some people, right, you know, I'm a man of my word and bless God, I'm sticking to my word, right? It's very cold and it's very, you know, it's, it's honorable, but the reason God is faithful to his word is because of his love. It's not because he's a stoic person of integrity. It's because he is love that he cannot tell you something that he wouldn't do. He just can't. It's not possible. Love doesn't boast. Love is not proud. He would never tell you you're healed if you couldn't follow through on it and wouldn't follow through on it if you'd simply believe him about it. See, Numbers 23 and verse 19 says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Has he said and will he not do? Or has he spoken and will he not make it good? God honors his word. <laughs> Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 12, for I am actively watching over my word to fulfill it. He loves you too much not to back up what he tells you. And his steadfast love is the reason for his integrity. His steadfast love is the reason for his faithfulness. When the Bible says God is faithful to his word to you, it is not, well, I guess I got to honor it because, you know, man swears to his own word for his own hurt. And I don't really want to, but I got to be faithful. No, love says I love him too much not to. And I'm thrilled to honor my word. Lamentation chapter 3 and verse 20 says this, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great, notice this phrase, great is your faithfulness. Why is he faithful? Because his love never ends. He's not faithful. You know, some people are like, if he, if he didn't honor his word, he wouldn't be God. 
right? So he's got to honor his word, like he's obligated to honor his word so he can stay God. I mean, maybe there, there's an argument around that, but man, bigger than that is the fact that he loves you so much. This great and mighty God loves you so much that he could never make you a promise that wasn't the truth. What is it that you need this morning that God has promised you? He watches over his word to perform it, and his love causes him to be faithful every day of our lives. Amen? Musicians, as you'll make your way forward, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 4. Let's look at this again then in the light of what it means when we say God is not, or love is not boastful and proud. It says love is patient, love is kind. God or love does not envy, love does not boast, and, God, and love or God is not proud. So God doesn't make exaggerated and puffed up statements to us about ourselves. Psalm 119 and verse 89 and 90 says, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Everybody say his word is settled. It's settled in heaven. The moment it comes out of its ma his mouth, it is settled. It's not, it doesn't come with a but or a question. It is it's settled. If a promise is made, it's settled. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Your faithfulness endures to all generations as enduring as the earth you created. His word is settled. If God said it, that settles it. That's why we can dig our heels in and say, you know what, bless God, in this situation, this is what you promised me, so I'm not being moved from it. Why? Because you couldn't lie to me. You just couldn't. You wouldn't. You love me too much. You love me too much. Look at your neighbor and say, he loves me too much to lie to me. What is important to you this morning? What is it that you're dealing with that God has promised you he will change? It is not too big for him, and he would not have said it if he didn't love you so much that he was willing to do it. You can count on what he said is the truth. What he says to you when he corrects you is sometimes hard, but it's done for our good and it's truth. What he says about you when he encourages you is not hand-patting and platitudes, but it's the truth. What he says about himself is not bragging. It's the truth of what you can be confident in. What he promises you is not an empty promise upon which he cannot deliver. It's the truth. So when we say love is not boastful or puffed up, what we're saying is this, real simple, his promises are not too good to be true. He doesn't false advertise. He loves you so much he would never tell you something he couldn't or wouldn't do for you. And we're actually saying that because he loves you, he is faithful and will do it. I'm going to close with this, Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 9. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant or his word of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. You say, well, I love him, but I don't always keep his commandments. Thank God for the blood of Jesus. That was spoken before Jesus died on the cross, right? But because of Jesus, Jesus fulfilled the commandments, so in Jesus the commandments are fulfilled. Amen.
So God's faithful love is extended to you this morning. He is a good God. Amen? He loves you too much for not every single word he's spoken in his scriptures to not be true. Amen? Bow your heads with me. Father, I thank you so much that you love us. I pray that as we leave here this morning, we do not leave here with some stoic idea of a God who would never break his word, although that is who you are. I pray we'll allow your love to surround that image of who you are so that we know my God loves me too much to lie to me. He loves me too much and is too powerful to not deliver me. Therefore, I will put my trust in him. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Just stand to your feet with me for a moment. He is so good. We're playing God is so good. Simple little song. But he is so good to us because he doesn't lie to us. You can walk out of here knowing though the earth be removed and though the mountains be thrown into the midst of the sea, God will honor his word to me. So let's just close our eyes for a moment and let's just sing this song through. God is so good. Thanking him for his great love that tells us the truth about what we're dealing with right now. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We just take a moment and we worship you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You're so good. You're so good. You're so good. You're so good. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's sing. God is so good. His word is true. God is so just want to do this because God is faithful and he will honor his word. If you are here this morning and you have a situation that you thought was big or maybe just your mind was challenging you, you knew God was bigger than it, you know, knew he was more faithful, but your mind was challenging you and you want someone to agree with you for that mountain to be moved, I'd like you just to make your way to the front right now because I want to pray with you that God will move your mountain, that God will change your situation. God will turn it around. So as we sing this through one more time, if you need prayer this morning for something, if you need to extend your faith with someone this morning about a God who is all-powerful, who will honor his word to you, just make your way to the front as we sing this through one more time. Let's sing it. God is so good. God is so
chapter 7 and verse 9 know therefore that the Lord your God is God he is a faithful God 
keeping his covenant to love, of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. God loves you too much to lie to you. He loves you too much to exaggerate. When he says he can do the impossible, that is not an exaggeration. That is the truth. And we can bank on that this morning. Amen? Amen. Prayer partners, if you'll make your way to the front, if you happen to not come forward, but you still want somebody to agree with you in prayer, they'll be there up front to pray with you. Let me pray a prayer blessing over you. We'll dismiss you this week and just believe God for good things this week. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, thank you so much that you love us so much. I pray we leave here with a greater understanding of your love, that it is your love that restricts you from exaggerating. You wouldn't do it because you love us so much. Let us go from this place with that confidence that you love us that much, that your word is working in our lives. You're working behind the scenes to set us up and bless us. You're working behind the scenes to do things we can't see. You're watching over your word to perform it. I thank you for accomplishing that in our church. I thank you for that accomplishing it in each life here. We give you praise and thanks for that. Thank you for your angels camped about our people, keeping them safe and protected, protected from harm, protected from sickness. They'll have a blessed week, and you'll bring them back to worship with us again, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you all. Have a great, great Sunday, and we'll see you Wednesday, hopefully. Thanks for listening to our Grace Family Church podcast. We really hope you enjoyed this message. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, we would love for you to get connected. Just go to gfcva.info to learn more about who we are, how to give to this ministry, or how you can get involved. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.